0: Supergirl Radio, this is Jordan Valdez. Just thought I'd call in quickly, just listen to your Guardian character spotlight, and I uh, had a couple things to say. Uh, first off, I'm so glad you pointed out that uh, Otis is in the Smallville Season 11 comics. He is hilarious in those playing off of Michael Rosenbaum's legs, or I guess technically it's not Michael Rosenbaum in the comics, but uh, a continuation of that version of the character. Absolutely love it. I also want to express my excitement about Smallville alum Anthony Konechny, uh, coming to Supergirl next year, uh, because uh, that's right, he is a Smallville alum. He was in the Season 9 episode, Idol. Uh, He's the delivery boy, actually, that brings Clark and Lois that box with the uh, police officers that the Wonder Twins uh, accidentally um, captured because they didn't realize they were undercover. Uh, So anyway, he is uh, a Smallville alum, so I thought I would point that out, and I'm very excited to see uh, him on the show and to see what he brings to the role of Agent Jensen, which I believe is a bonus Smallville Easter egg because Jensen Ackles, uh, came to Smallville in season four, and here we have a- Agent Jensen coming to Supergirl in season four, uh, played by a Smallville alum. So, anyway, I thought I'd point that out. Very excited to see what he brings to that role of, uh, Agent Jensen. Uh, that's all I had to say. So, I'll just wrap up by saying Kalana forever. Uh, talk to y'all later. Bye bye. <music>
1: Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and for this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Wendy, a.k.a at Cara underscore Quirrell on Twitter to shine a character spotlight on Brainiac 5. So welcome to Supergirl Radio, Wendy. I'm so glad to have a Brainiac 5 uh, expert slash fan join me to talk about him.
2: It's a pleasure to be here, and now everybody gets to hear what I sound like.
1: (laughs) Hi, guys. (laughs) I love your Twitter account. You share a lot of great old panels and uh, constantly educating me on some things. So I I very much appreciate what you do on Twitter and, and, and sharing all of that great comic knowledge. Sure, it's my pleasure. Well, uh, before we get into the actual spotlight on Brainiac 5, would you tell our listeners, and also tell me, because I don't know this answer, uh, (laughs) about your history with the character of Supergirl? Where where did you first uh, come to interact with the character of Supergirl?
2: My journey with Supergirl started when I was very, very little, and I used to climb up into the attic on rainy days and go through my dad's old comic book boxes, uh, where he had all his Silver Age comics and he wasn't necessarily too happy with me about that uh, but it was a, it was a losing battle so he had to give in eventually um, and that's where I read you know all of the you know Silver Age Supergirl stories and got some of that backstory and then eventually you know I was old enough to take my penny candy money and go down to the corner store and, and go through the spinner rack and buy my own comics but uh, but uh, when I started that's 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 where I started with Supergirl was in the Old Silver Age comics.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, some of those stories I- I've been reading a, f- a little bit of uh, Silver Age Supergirl, and there's a there's a lot there. A lot of the stuff that we know of Supergirl and her mythology comes from the Silver Age.
2: Those comics really were kind of geared towards girls, and like you think of comics, you know, back in the '60s were geared towards, but they weren't. They were very diverse, and they were comics for you know all different kinds of, of people, or, you know, adults, kids um you know girls boys and and supergirl was very much a character for girls um and and that's part of what you know got me into it is, this, is that here's a spunky little uh <laughs> scallion you know, getting into trouble and uh, and hanging out with her super friends
1: that's cool to know that you made a connection with supergirl at that that age in your life and you had comics that you could read that you could um uh that would appeal to you at that time um, and, uh, in terms of, uh, Brainiac five, where did you first encounter him? So when I was old enough to, you know, really go to the
2: store and buy my own comics in, you know, like maybe late kid. So it was at eight, nine, 10. I, I at that point in time, it was kind of the golden age for the Legion of superheroes. They were one of the best selling books at DC comics. Uh, they were marketed very heavily. They were featured prominently on the spinner racks and the stories were always incredible at that time and of course you know of those characters Brainiac 5 was one of the most impressive because you know you have a lot of heroes especially in the other comics who have very physical powers and uh You know, they can punch things, they have magical weapons, um, they can run really fast. Uh, But Brainiac 5 didn't have any of that, and, you know, he didn't even really carry a weapon. I mean, he has his four-shield belt and and, uh, a few other gadgets, but, you know, what he really has is his mind and his ability to outthink his opponent, which meant that you're getting a much higher quality writing and a much more interesting story. For me, it's the kind of story I like. You know, I'm drawn to characters like that, like Oracle, like Mr. Miracle, the ones that kind of... You know, outthink their opponent and and find a way to win, even when it looks like it's impossible.
1: I think that's a, a good observation because uh, sometimes even with Supergirl, I prefer her, the stories where she outsmarts a villain instead of just goes straight to the punching or straight to the heat vision. Uh, there is something neat about uh, seeing a hero. Uh, use their intellect to outsmart a villain. So, yeah, that is one of the appeals for Brainiac 5. He does have that 12th level intellect. He is very, very smart. <laughs> and he'll tell you about it. <laughs> he will. He will. He will let you know just how smart he is. Don't ever forget it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that is one of the, uh, not not the only main trait of Brainiac 5, but one of the, the biggest one is his intellect. Um so uh now that we kind of have your history of these characters uh let's kind of get into the spotlight. So Brainiac 5 was introduced in the 3rd season of Supergirl and in season 4 he will be a series regular. So for this episode of Supergirl Radio, we are going to dive in and learn more about his character. And this is kind of uh, a late character spotlight. Uh, we wanted to do it uh, during season three, but sometimes with podcasting, you just you don't get a chance to because you've got other things you've got to uh, discuss and talk about and uh, podcast about. So uh, this seemed like a good time to try to do it again. Try to try to get that on the books. Try to schedule it and get it done uh, because he's going to be a series regular and be. Uh, a more important element of the show than he was even in season three. Uh, So uh, let's get into his history. So uh, Brainiac 5 was created by Jerry Siegel and Jim Mooney. And, uh, of course, Brainiac 5, being a uh, relative of Brainiac, he is based upon the character Brainiac, who was created by Otto Bender and Al Plastino. His real name is Quirrell Ducks. and his first appearance was in Action Comics number 276 from May 1961. So that's not too uh, long after Supergirl was introduced into the comics. Uh, she came into the comics in 1959, so they were relatively close in age. Uh, so the first story that he appears in is called Supergirl's Three Supergirlfriends. Uh, Wendy, do you, uh, what? What do you want to tell us about his first appearance? I want to tell you this whole story. Yeah, t- tell us a story, please. <laughs> okay, so
2: Supergirl uh, lives at that lived at that time at the orphanage. She had not yet been uh, adopted by the Danvers, uh, and she, you know, was she was kind of lonely. She didn't have anybody she could talk to about being Supergirl. She couldn't tell any of the other kids at the orphanage. And you know, Clark was busy doing other things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so you know, so she it starts off with her listening to some other girls, you know, gossiping about their lives and thinking, you know, I don't I don't have any super girlfriends. Nobody knows I'm super girl, and I, I don't have anybody to talk to. And then suddenly she gets a psychic message. And this person says you have a super girlfriend? I'm your super girlfriend. <laughs> and she's like, wait, what? Who's my super girlfriend? So, <laughs> so she flies out to a field and there she meets um, after some, you know, guess who we are kind of game. She meets uh, Saturn girl, triplicate girl and phantom girl who are all members of the Legion of superheroes. Um, and they've come to recruit her for the second time uh, to join the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, she had tried out for the Legion about a year earlier, and she didn't make it on a technicality, oh. which was a real bummer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this was the second time they've come back to get her, um, and they're going to take her in the time bubble, which we all know is invented by Brainiac 5, but shh, that's spoilers. Uh, <laughs> so they get into the time bubble, Uh, And they go to the future and uh, they get ready and they say, oh, we've changed the rules a little bit this year, Supergirl. We're going to let two people into the Legion because if you got to be a Legion, you kind of have to admit more than one person a year, I think. So so they decided this year we're going to let in um, a boy and a girl. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of something that they changed later on in continuity. Mm. Originally, this was the third tryout we had seen for the Legion of Superheroes. Superboy went first, and then Supergirl tried out twice before getting in. Um, In 1981, with the secrets of the Legion of Superheroes, we find out that that order from the Legion's perspective was wrong. And that Supergirl was actually recruited for the Legion of Superheroes first, Uh, And then Superboy. So Supergirl tried out twice before they even went to get Superboy.
1: Wow, I did not know that.
2: (laughs) And if you read later versions, uh, later reprints of that uh, first uh, issue – uh, they recolor one of the little boys to look like Brainiac 5 so that it's, you know, after Brainiac 5 has got in. Uh, <laughs> so, but that's only in later so If you come across a version of that where Brainiac 5 is there, that's why, because later on they changed that chronology so that Brainiac 5 was actually in the Legion before, and Supergirl was in the Legion before Superboy. And we'll talk about why that is in a little bit. Um, but, you know, for now she's going to try out. So, she sits down at the table next to her placard. Oh, I'm Supergirl. I'm here. I'm ready to try out. <laughs> and then we have the panel. And this is the first time you know, we have seen Brainiac 5. And he is introduced. The very first thing they say about him is, a handsome, green-skinned youth approaches the <laughs> black table. So you're kind of thinking to yourself, maybe this is a love interest. I don't know. I don't know. But maybe. So... <laughs> So he does come in. He does look pretty handsome. Um, (laughs) But she's looking at him and she's like, you know, I have a photographic memory, uh, which I don't know many people know about Supergirl. At this time, she had a photographic memory. And she's like, and I know there's something I, I, I find very familiar about this guy, but I can't quite place it. And then he pulls out his name card, which, of course, says Brainiac 5. And she's like, "What?" (laughs) (laughs) So so he's like, "Oh my goodness, no!" And he's like, "He's like, wait, wait, wait. You know, I know that my, you know, brainiac is one of your, your greatest enemies and one of Superman's greatest enemies, but, but please, please don't hate me." And you know, This is like the most heartbreaking thing, this poor little boy.
1: <laughs> not a great first impression. <laughs> he must go around like everybody.
2: He's like, not that brainiac. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and we'll talk about the rest of his family a little bit, but the rest of his family is not much better. So. <laughs> so, so he's really kind of the exception. Um, and so, so he goes on to tell her the story of the death of Brainiac. And I don't think this lasts this actual story lasts and even supergirl saying i think he's making this up this doesn't make any sense (laughs) he's lying this can't possibly be true um and this is actually um and we we want to talk about coco a little bit here coco appears this is the first comic that coco appears with Brainiac Five, even though it's a flashback and it's actually coco that kills brainiac
1: (laughs) what (laughs) hold on hold on hold on back up (laughs) So Coco the Monkey, who is like Brainiac's <laughs> sidekick, yes, is responsible for his death. He's
2: responsible for his death. He he actually pushes a button which causes him to shrink which causes Brainiac to shrink himself into oblivion. <laughs> so so that yeah, so you gotta be careful when you, when you travel with a space monkey. <laughs> Um, and so he's got the super monkey, and he tells the story of how uh, Brainiac dies, and, and Supergirl's not buying any of this. She's like, this guy, you know, whatever, I don't believe him, uh, I'm, I'm watching him, he's a Brainiac, I don't think I could trust him. Um, and she's like, he's like, no, no, I, I love Superman. And he says yes, yeah, so he says he popped out of existence it was re- reduced to nothingness because uh, Coco uh, pressed the button and reversed the Shrinkinator. So then it is, comes time for Kara to uh, try out for the Legion. And she decides to use her power of so super digging, uh, which is an interesting you know, power choice for Supergirl. Uh, no frost breath, no heat vision, no uh, you know, flying or super speed. She's going to use super digging. So she uses her X-ray vision to find a bunch of treasures, and she super digs. And this scene is actually uh, reproduced several times uh, in comics history uh, where she digs and she finds these things. It's, it's reproduced in uh, the Supergirl annual number two, uh, it's reproduced in Supergirl Adventures from the 8th grade uh, <laughs> And it, it's reproduced By Laurel Gand, who we'll talk about in a little bit who was, who was also a Supergirl character But at this time This was the first time that this happened And that's how she gets into the Legion And they're like oh this is great But let's say she was a shoo-in because she really Kind of got in the last time And they just couldn't let her in Because she had aged beyond uh, Artificially aged Beyond the age of uh, of being in the Legion Which is another story Um, So at this point, and this is really why I ship this ship so hard, (laughs) it's Brainiac's turn uh, to show what he can do. So Supergirl's standing around. She just finished her uh, tryout, and Brainiac kind of runs up to her, and he says, quick, put this on, Supergirl. And he puts his force field belt on Supergirl. And I just want to take a moment to talk about how important this is because this is 1961. And in 1961, one would assume that the chivalrous thing to do would be if there is danger for the male potential love interest to kind of push the female aside and throw himself in the danger and handle it, right? Or to just, you know, flex his muscles and say, watch me, Supergirl, and kind of punch through the... the... But that's not what Brainiac 5 does. Brainiac 5 puts the four shield belt on uh, Supergirl and then he just kind of stands back and says, you know, go to it and she does it. And so the way that he gets into the Legion is by helping the female hero to be her best self. And this is very much a role reversal, and this is very much—I mean, for me, you know, as a little kid, and for me, even as an adult, it's like that's the kind of guy I want. I want the guy who's going to give me the force shield belt and say, "Hey, you know, do what you do." And uh, and so she does. She she destroys this kryptonite meteor, and she's feeling pretty mighty. And, and later on, she even says, "Hey, I'm more powerful than Superman." And maybe <laughs> gets a little gets some ideas. But uh, but so she takes out the uh, the meteor, and then she's like. You could have been killed. Why did you give it to me? And he says, you know, I'm not a villain, even though my ancestor Brainiac was, and I would gladly sacrifice my life to save yours anytime. Although I don't think there was any point in this where he didn't think Supergirl was going to take care of that. We knew her, <laughs> but <laughs> but you know that you know that that goes without saying. And he she starts. This is the first time where Kara's like, oh, he's sweet. You know, he maybe he is a good guy, and he's kind of cute, and I kind of like him. And uh, and then she tries to give it back to me. He says, no, you keep it. So he's even more sweet. No, you keep it because I've just it just for you now it's it's an early version of the four shield belt and it doesn't last forever but she does keep it for a while and go on some interesting adventures with it so they have a parade and they're both admitted into the legion and then she uh just before she's about to leave brainiac five says please remain and be my girl <laughs> and Kara, which i think we saw a little bit of this in the tv show as well is Kara's car is Cara's like well my duty is to protect earth and Superman. And I have to go back and do that. And I can't really stay with you. And and she's going to put her work before, you know, what she wants uh, in life. Um, So she goes back, you know, to the, to the uh, uh, 20th century at that point in the time bubble with her super girlfriends. And then she goes on some adventures with the time belt. And at the end of the story to kind of cap it all off, she's listening to the girls gossip again. And this time they're gossiping about boys and for the first time, she thinks like you know, and she thinks, well, I can't tell them that I have two boyfriends. And she talks about Brainiac Five as her boyfriend for the first time, and also Jero the Merboy, who doesn't know it yet, but he's on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> Jero's Jero's an interesting uh, character because he is an excellent kisser, and that's really all she's. She thinks about it. She's like, she's like, oh, I'd like to kiss him. I'm going to kiss him again. <laughs> so, he says, so apparently merboys are excellent kissers. But uh, but after the introduction of Brainiac 5, I think she only sees him once or twice more. Once in this adventure, and then uh, I think there's one more adventure. And In fact, when she comes out uh, as Supergirl to the world, that's really when Jero kind of actually is like, you know, I, I think I don't really have a chance at Supergirl anymore.
1: <laughs> it's only fair it seems like she should have to make a choice. Don't string both of them along. Pick one or none. When she got
2: her uh, room in the Fortress of Solitude, Superman did decorate it with not only the pictures of Brainiac 5 and Gerald the Merboy, but also Dick Melvern, her Linda, oh, Linda Lee's yeah. boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: I see how that is. Yeah, so that's a that's a pretty good summary of that first uh appearance of Brainiac Five. And I think you you even just when uh you were uh, recounting it, uh you sort of laid out some of uh Brainiac Five's abilities and some of the things that are associated with him. So obviously his twelfth level intellect, he's very smart. Um, he can create he and invent things. You talked about the four shield belt. Um, uh, and that's that's something he's very famous for. Um, he also time travels, and uh, he he can fly with the Legion ring, of course, the Legion flight ring. And he's also a, a leader of sorts. And I think this is the first time you see him sort of step up and make a decision to uh there 's that uh, jet that flies the legion cruiser flying over my house i don 't know if you can hear that it makes an <laughs> appearance on uh supergirl radio every now and then uh, but uh so he he does sort of step up in this issue and uh help supergirl like you like you uh said uh help her sort of save the day as it were a little bit and they both get into the legion of superheroes at the same time and i think that 's what 's so cool about their relationship is that they are very tied to each other in terms of the Legion. So that that's one thing that I think is really interesting about their relationship.
2: So uh, I'll continue to talk about uh, Supergirl's relationship with Brainiac 5. So Supergirl and Brainiac 5 are a going concern, really, for uh, most of the 60s and into 1970. Really, on her big coming-out party, uh, he's the first phone-a-friend that she makes. <laughs> so Supergirl... Th- is introduced to the world and Superman's like, okay. And she, he just, just panels and panels and panels of her, him introducing her to everybody in the world. And it gets to the point now where all of the TV cameras are just watching everything she does. And then Superman's like, hey, uh, you know, I gotta leave town for a while, I'm gonna go to another planet, so uh, you you just look after Earth, and hey everybody this is Supergirl, she's gonna look after Earth while I'm gone Uh, bye, see ya. So he takes off and he leaves, But she's probably like 15, 16 years old, Supergirl gotta
1: take care of the planet. That seems like an unreasonable expectation for that someone (laughs) of that age. Come on, Superman. But yeah, she's gonna do her best, and of
2: course everybody, every TV camera in the the world is watching her, and uh, and of course at that exact moment, a couple of crazy Scientists open up a portal to another dimension, and kind of an elder god sticks its foot through, and it's so big that only its foot comes through. So, but it's that's enough. Actually, I think both feet come through, and they kind of stomp around and, and start destroying everything. And and Supergirl tries to fight it, and she tries to use like we talked about, she tries to use her physical powers, but she ends up, is not really getting very far because this thing is big. So she's like, "All right, what do I do?" So she ends up she sits down in a in a junkyard. And this is, you have to remember at this time, she was also kind of a scientist. I mean, she built crazy inventions and she did the chemistry that created Streaky.
1: The ex-kryptonite, yes. So She's like, all right, I'm in a junkyard.
2: What can I do? And she's like, oh, you know what? I know who can solve this problem. And she puts a note into a uh, a rocket that she makes out of metal. And she curls it so fast that it goes into the future to Brainiac 5. (laughs) (laughs) and he opens it up and he's like oh it's from supergirl i love her so he builds what she wants and he sends it back how does he send it back i think it was a tiny time bubble
1: i think it's really funny that in this period of comics breaking that time barrier is not a big deal they just kind of go back and forth between time no problem the story i have for later it gets a lot
2: harder (laughs) (laughs) it's like i'm gonna throw this into the future so he comes back and then while it's coming down the giant monster steps on it. So, <laughs> but Supergirl is, is really smart at this point. And so she has, she has, we know she has photographic memory from when she first met Brainiac 5. And she also has uh, x-ray vision. So what she has done is while it was coming down in the time bubble, she x-ray visioned it to see all of the parts on the inside. And because she has a photographic memory, she knows exactly how it was put together. So she finds the parts in the junkyard and she remakes it. Uh, <laughs> and it turns out that it's, it's a shrink ray, kind of like the original Brainiac used. Ah. And she's able to shrink the monster down and put it in a bottle, which I thought was a really clever way to solve that. And then, of course, you know, she reads a note from Brainiac, and it's all like, you know, you know I love you and I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> but, but, and then she's like, oh, he's so sweet. So it's, like, <laughs> it's like, that's really how uh, their dynamic is, you know, for a while. And I think that's what they're going to go for on the show this year, too, is that, you know, he's like, I'm just going to do whatever she wants. And I think, you know, from last season we saw, uh, you know, she goes in and she asks for something that's completely crazy. And he's like, sure, that sounds like fun.
1: (laughs) And he only does that kind of stuff for Supergirl. Uh, Can I ask uh, what story that's from? Like, do you have an issue number for that?
2: Yes, that was from Action Comics 285. And it is called uh, the second story is called the infinite monster. So the first story is when she's introduced to the world. That's called the world's greatest heroine, and the second story is called the infinite monster.
1: Well, I'm I'm definitely going to have to look into this. Throwing it so hard that it it breaks <laughs> the 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 time barrier. I'm very interested in that now uh, because that opens up so many doors. But uh, so in in terms of Brainiac five and his history. Does he have like a backstory of where he came from, how how he sort of became Brainiac 5? Do you you know of any uh, sort of story that defines him?
2: So Brainiac 5 uh, is from a planet called Kolu. And uh, there are quite a few different stories that define him. So I'll kind of give you like a summary of... Of all of them. Okay. So Brainiac Five is from a planet called Kolu, where the inhabitants are all extremely smart scientists. They have an average intellect of six. Now, of course, we know Brainiac Five has a twelfth level intellect, but uh, which makes him kind of, you know, uh, outside the curve even on Kolu. <laughs> um, so he's kind of a nerd even for Koluan standards. And so when he is young, uh, and this is in, in pretty much every version, he's orphaned at a very young age. Uh, there's, different, um, there's different stories about you know, whether it was his mother or his father. Um, in some stories, it's his father, who's kind of not really a bad guy. He's a scientist who gets in an accident. And, and Brain 5, of course, blames himself. But in other stories, it's his mother, who is kind of a sociopath. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and uh, she is born unable to feel things. Um, so she spends her whole life trying to find a way to feel uh, and so she's like, she becomes a space pirate. She's the head of a criminal organization. She's a mass murderer. She tries to do good things. She tries to do bad things, but she never feels anything. And one of the things she does is she has a kid. And within like a couple of minutes, she's like, Yeah, I don't feel anything here, and she just leaves him and goes.
1: Ah, oh, that's so tragic.
2: Later, she comes back to torture him and to see if she feels anything when she tortures him.
1: <gasps> no. <laughs> yeah, and his friends. So, <laughs> so it's
2: not a good. Not a good relationship there.
1: Not a great mom, sounds like.
2: So either way, the either origin story you go, he starts off with a fairly traumatic childhood and then spends the rest of his childhood being raised by the elders of Kolu. Um, in the original in Silver Age, you know, he starts to kind of really become fascinated with the stories of Superman and obviously Supergirl. And he becomes very, um, that, that becomes kind of his obsession. He stands Superman and Supergirl, which I think you see in a lot of other works. It definitely spills over into the cartoon. Um, and that's kind of what, what leads him to choose the life path. So I mean, he's had a pretty crappy childhood. He could easily go the way of the other brainiacs, Oh sure, but he chooses to use his power to help the most people possible, um, uh, which he learns from Supergirl, you know, especially and Superman also. Um, and what he does then is that the life paths he chooses before he ends up joining Legion is he just goes to study time travel and he's studying time travel, which you find out after Supergirl's death, specifically to meet Supergirl.
1: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I mean, you need goals in life. I guess he, he had a goal. He worked towards it. <laughs> yeah. And, you yeah, know, he
2: got there, which is more than a lot of us can say. True. So he he is this big Supergirl stand. He wants to meet Supergirl. And this is when you realize that he created the time bubble that they used to keep going back in time to get Superboy and Supergirl. And, uh, they went now, you know, you see that it's been retconned that Supergirl was first. So that was really it. He, he's like, Hey, Legion, I have this time level. You can use it if you bring back Supergirl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that, that's really how he kind of got started. He was, and he studied at the Time Institute, um, under a giant cockroach. Uh, Cicadia Senius.
1: I have not read a ton of these uh, brilliant five stories. While he's at the Time Institute, I've I've seen him pop up in a few stories that I've read. But he's, he's kind of the I, – I think I'm drawn to, like, weird-looking characters. He's a great character. The idea of this character is very fascinating to me. And the the fact that Brainiac 5 goes to a time institute to study time travel, I just love it so much. So I'm a big fan of Circadia Enius.
2: In Metropolis. So it's the Metropolis time institute. So Metropolis is the forerunner of time research oh. <laughs> in this time period. So, But Circadius Enius is actually one of the most um, – caring and affectionate characters towards Brainiac 5 in the entire of comics really even you know it's, he's he's very much becomes like a father figure to him and you know when Kara dies everyone's like dude she died a thousand years ago you knew this was going to happen they were all they're all being jerks to him we'll talk about that in a few minutes but then and Circadius Senius is the one who's kind of like no you know he needs this is he's really having trouble and you have to be nice to him
1: since he had such a troubled childhood and uh, the family life there is at least he had somebody who cared about him. So that's good.
2: And then, of course, he joins the Legion once they bring back Supergirl. Um, other stories have him being, you know, uh, that he blew up too many labs. On oh, no. And then R.J. Brand, who is the rich guy who funds the Legion. Uh, kind of took him under his wing when he was about, you know, five years old and uh, and, and gave him labs, which he then continually blew up. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, Brainy's very, very smart, but he also likes to take big risks. And this is, you know, no risks, no rewards. So he's, you know, he, the payoffs are always amazing, but he, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't always work out, <laughs>
1: So is is that basically uh Brainy's backstory that he kind of he he grows up and uh spends time at the Time Institute and that's where he sort of learns how to to apply some of his intellect and some of the things that uh he he wants to create and invent. Um is is there anything else that we need to know more of, about his backstory? That's generally uh you know
2: where he where it comes up to. Um and then he joins the Legion from the Time Institute. Um there is a story going around on Wikipedia uh, that is wrong, where they have the origin story of Circadius Senius and the origin story of, of Brainiac Five mixed up. Oh! In that story, Circadius Senius goes to view the beginning of time, uh, and that is specifically outlawed by the Green Lanterns. Wow! So the Green Lanterns show up and try to arrest Circadius Senius, and he's just like, "No, no, no! You know, he, you know, he's working with us, and it's okay." And uh, and that gets settled, and then the villain who's a guy named Universo, he's like, well, you know what, I want to see the beginning of the universe, and he's a Green Lantern. So he sneaks in and goes to see the the uh, the beginning of time. And, of course, then the, the Green Lanterns show up, and they have another big fight uh, with this other Green Lantern, and that's what gets them banned from Earth. <laughs> wow. So, the Green Lanterns then become banned from Earth because they, they came in guns a-blazing, uh, and I believe they destroyed the time Institute. <laughs>
1: Oh my goodness.
2: <laughs> so that was that's Brainiac Five's origin story, is is and uh is that he ends up at the Time Institute and then from there he goes on to the Legion.
1: Very cool. So I have a question because I haven't fully investigated this myself, because uh we know that there is a Brainiac 5. Uh so uh and we know that there are uh from Supergirl stuff from the TV show and also from some of the rebirth comics that we've read here on Supergirl Radio, we know of Indigo. Who is Brainiac Eight? Yep. Uh, but what what about all those other Brainiacs? Why do we have <laughs> uh, leading up to five Brainiacs, and uh, what what do I need to know about them?
2: So originally, uh, bra- there were two Brainiacs. So originally there was one Brainiac, but then at the time of Brainiac Five was introduced, there are two Brainiacs. There is the original Brainiac, and there's Brainiac Five, and Brainiac Five is just the great, 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 great great-grandson of Brainiac, which is too many greats, but there might have been a few in there that were disowned by the family, so we're going to let that go. <laughs> uh, so, he, he, so so, uh, originally, the original Brainiac was a Kaluan scientist who had an unhealthy addiction to shrinking planets and putting them in bottles, <laughs> um, and a monkey that he talked to, which was really a way for him to do his exposition. So uh, Otto Bender, Brought in Coco as a way for him to do his exposition uh, without uh, without seeming completely insane. Although he's pretty insane already, <laughs> so I don't know how much the monkey helped. Uh, so he he basically liked to bottle cities, and and this went on for a while. And he was a great bad guy. Um, and then there was a guy named Edmund C. Berkeley, and Edmund Berkeley uh, created a computer kit. And he's a really interesting guy. If you want to go look him up later, um, but he created a computer kit that he was selling in Popular Mechanics at the time, Popular Mechanics, which Otto Binder subscribed to and loved, Uh, (laughs) and that kit was called the Brainiac Computer Kit. So, Edwin Berkeley went and said, hey, you're infringing on my copyright. But he was kind of a cool, enlightened guy. He wasn't in it for the money, so what they ended up settling on, so he created his kit in 1955, Brainiac comes out in 1958. They have this ongoing discussion about it until 1964 when they come to a settlement, and the settlement was that Brainiac would become a computer, and they would put some ads for the computer kit into the comics. I think it only the ad only appeared once, I think, in the computer, but that was it. Brainiac was a computer. So they had explained this, right? <laughs> so we have a couple of problems here. So first we have to explain how suddenly Brainiac is a computer. And then we have to deal with the fact that he's got a great, 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 great grandson in the future, uh, which, you know, it's not something that computers usually do. Uh, so, so they ended up creating um, a really great mythos that sticks with the story for a long time. And, This is that the planet of Kolu, with its sixth-level scientists, decided that they needed more processing power. So they created artificial intelligence. um, And these were a a series of robots that were 10th-level intellects. The problem with being a species with an average intellect at a sixth level and creating an artificial intelligence with an average intellect of a 10th level is that eventually they're going to catch on that, that they don't want to be your servants and they're going to decide that you need to be their servants, <laughs> which is yes. what happened on Colu. So, uh, and it's a lesson that Brainiac five doesn't learn, but we'll get into that <laughs> in a bit. Um, so now the, the planet is taken over and they, they decide, they know that there's a resistance among the Kluins, and They decide that they're going to create a spy. So what they do is they create a, uh, uh, another robot and they are smart. Being 10th level intellects. And they decide not to create a robot that is smarter than them, even though they could. <laughs> so they create him at a 10th level. And then they decide, so then the writers at this point are like, oh, this is a really cool story. But hey, wait, what about Brainiac 5? And then, and then they realize, you know, Brainiac 5 is in love with Supergirl. So we don't really want to mess that up. So they, uh, they decide to, in order to make their robot spy seem more like an average Galooan, they give him a son. And the son they pick for him is also a 10th-level intellect. And being a 10th-level intellect, this kid only lasts about three panels before he realizes, like, this is nuts. I'm out of (laughs) here. And he takes off. So they really introduce this character just to be the ancestor of Brainiac 5. So there's an actual Kalouin boy who is Vril Dox, and and he's a very interesting character as well.
1: Uh, I don't know if you've heard about Docs. He was uh, featured in the Adventures of Supergirl uh, comics by Sterling Gates. He showed up there. Yes. So we, we did talk about him on uh, Supergirl radio. So
2: Docs, so the, there's more to yes. that story, but the, what we care about is that this is how he gets a descendant. So Vildox, um isn't featured much in the comics for a long time. And then a uh, crossover series called Invasion, which is the inspiration for the CW crossover series called Invasion. Mm -hmm. And in order to defeat the Dominators, he creates a group. And this group uh, later becomes the super, I think, super, not hero team. They become a team called Legion L.E.G.I.O.N.
1: Ah, yes. Which is an abbreviation uh,
2: for Licensed Extra-Governmental Interstellar Operatives Network. He's not a bad guy, but he's definitely not a good guy. He's really like, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to make a profit, and I'm only going to do stuff that benefits me, and I'm not really concerned with helping them. He's not inspired by Superman. He's not out there to help people. He's out there to you know, uh, make the world orderly and get paid to do it um he hooks up with i don't know if you're familiar with lobo oh yeah yeah a bunch of other kind of unsavory characters <laughs> so he takes this team so he's like oh you know hey what i def- you know we, we survived the dominators and i, I got this team and he goes back to kolu and he defeats um the robot overlords so, <laughs> so the computer tyrants of kolu so he takes down the computer tyrants of kolu and becomes a hero but, you know, he's you know a hero for hire, not to, to take a Marvel term, but he, <laughs> he's out there to make some money. So he defeats the Computer Times of and becomes a hero, and then goes on to have his own series for a while. And eventually he has a child with one of his uh, teammates. And although his teammate is not Kaluin, uh, the way their species works is that the genetics of the child is 100% Kaluin. So he's Kaluin. Um, and then uh, that child is a 12th level intellect. I, I've seen it 10th and 12th, but I, the way the story goes, I believe he's a 12th because by the time he is probably six months old, he takes over the super team from his dad. So let's sink in for a minute. He's a tiny baby in a tiny floaty baby chair. Uh, Barely eating solid food, (laughs) but yet, as a 12th level intellect, he is smart enough. To steal his dad's uh, law enforcement organization out from under him, because <laughs> he feels that he can do a better job because he's you know smarter and you know that's the way kids are. Uh, <laughs> so that is an interesting story. They they have a very interesting relationship, and of course, eventually he gets his he gets his group back, and uh, you know they're not they're not the best of friends. They're not the healthiest of
0: relationships,
2: <laughs> and of course, the two of them have run into the original brainiac all the time. Um, and that, that really takes us up to Brainiac 3, and then we talked a little bit about Brainiac 4, who is either a guy named Kajdox, K-A-J-Z, who is a scientist who dies young and who kind of basically you know makes Brainiac take the Brainiac um, name and kind of you know, inspires him to prove that it's, it's not a bad thing and to claim it back um, and to work extra hard to, to, to prove that you know, he's better than that. But it's still kind of, you know, it's not a great relationship either. <laughs> you know, poor kid, he's got to go to school and says, "Hi, I'm Brainiac." And it's like, uh, there's a joke that's made in one of the Legion comics where where he comes in and he introduces himself to the to the rest of the Legionnaires for the first time, and he's like, "You know, I'm I'm Brainiac 5. and uh, I think it's Invisible Kid who snickers and says, "What was Dark Side Two taken?"
1: Uh. <laughs>
2: so, so, <laughs> so you know, he doesn't he gets a lot of gruff, but. Uh, so it's it's either this, you know, you know, very gentle guy who dies young or uh it's his psychopathic mother which we already talked about. And then we get to Brainiac 5. So that's really the story um of the Brainiacs and you know their history with the computer tyrants of
1: Kolu. Oh yeah, that is a uh an interesting family tree. They have a lot of uh ups and downs it seems like. Uh, so, thanks for guiding us through that. So, um, in terms of Brainiac Five's other relationships, we we sort of talked about his. Uh, dynamic with Supergirl but I, when I was doing research on Brainiac 5 I noticed that he also had uh, relationships with Dream Girl and another character named Andromeda. Um, are, are there any other relate like big relationships that we should know about in terms of Brainiac 5 and either his friendships or his romantic entanglements? Uh, wh- what should we know about his other relationships? So I'll go
2: through. I, I'll go through most of this. There's a couple other small ones. Those are those are the big ones you've hit on. But to, to understand really, um, Laurel Gand, who is the, That's the real name of Andromeda, is Supergirl. So <laughs> so let me let me explain to you what that means. Um, so after Silver Age, there's a break, and basically the reason why that happens is because there's a big shakeup in the comics, and Supergirl ends up. In uh, Superman Family, which was their big idea to to take all of the Superman family of comics, so Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane and Super Baby and Bizarro and Supergirl, and put them all into one hundred page giant book. It might have been eighty page I think hundred page giant book, um, and and sell it at a at a higher price. Um, And that way, you know, instead of having to worry about whether or not you're going to sell enough Jimmy Olsen's, you just had to sell this one book. (laughs) Uh, Not to disparage Jimmy, he had some great issues. Uh, (laughs) But that way you would get your variety. And the the other thing they were able to do with that is they didn't always have a new story. So Supergirl... Sometimes she was in the book, sometimes she wasn't in the book. Sometimes she'd have a new story, sometimes it would be a reprint. Um, so that made it really hard for her to have a lot of continuity. And she also had a different set of writers that It was a different creative team from what was going on over in the Legion. And they wanted to go a different direction with her. So, so they kind of, there was a break. So from 1970, for most of the 70s, there was a break there. And then Great Darkness Saga happens. Uh, the Great Darkness Saga which I know you've heard like everybody who comes on here talk about the Legion, talk about the Great Dark Saga. Oh, yeah, saga. it's a big story. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about just the, the, my favorite parts, which are the Supergirl parts. <laughs> uh, so Supergirl is not in all of this book, but the parts that she is in, uh, she is amazing. This is probably my second favorite uh, superhero fight of all time. is her fight against Darkseid. Uh, she's not been. She's she made a few appearances with the Legion. She was Brainiac Five's date to the wedding of Bouncing Boy and Duo Damsel. <laughs> she came to to be with Brainiac Five when RJ Brand was sick. She appeared on some wrapping paper with Brainiac Five. <laughs> uh, uh, she uh, chased Universal to the future, and while she was there, she you know snuggled with Brainiac Five a little bit. Uh, <laughs> there's kind of a theme here. Uh, so, so there's a few other times that she, that she came and she interacted with uh, with the future, but really, you know, it's just it's just a spattering of time, a spattering of times that she was there over the seventies. And, you know, her book had kind of had some trouble. And I know there's people that love this era. It, you know, it just wasn't, the sales weren't that great. And um, she came into this book and she fought uh, Darkseid. And Darkseid went up against Superboy and Supergirl. And he punches Superboy. And he punches him so hard that he sends him all the way back to the 20th century. Um <laughs> so this is to establish that dark side's kind of a badass <laughs> um and and that this is what supergirl has to go up against so superboy is now eliminated and she alone has to fight uh to fight off dark side until the legion comes back with you know brainiac five's big plan and she does and she does it creatively and it's very powerful it's it's a kind of power that you don't get to see from her enough and the audience is loving it, and she's loving it, and it just it went over really well. And to me, that's really what makes that book amazing, is that fight scene where she's taking down Darkseid. He gets the upper hand uh, like towards the very end, but it's just as, as the Legion shows up, so it's no big deal. So she basically keeps Darkseid at bay long enough for the Legion to show up uh, and rescue her. The end of that book ends with Brainiac 5 saying, you know, it's been a long time and you know, I had, you know, I had this really great crush on you, but I think we can be friends now. If you don't want to be with me, that's okay. And she's like, Oh really? Cause you know, I was just thinking about how cute you were. <laughs> <laughs> and then she takes off and then there's just a couple of panels. I'm going, cute. Wait, wait, cute. Did she say I was cute? <laughs> and then, and then that's how it kind of ends. Now, and that's kind of a funny little afterside. Except a few issues later, she comes back for the 300th anniversary issue, which really wasn't the 300th anniversary issue of the Legion. It was the 300th anniversary issue of Superboy, which had changed names to the Legion of Superheroes. When the Legion of Superheroes became more popular than Superboy, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it was a three. It was an anniversary issue, so it was a big get together. It's kind of like you know your high school reunion. Uh, and these are kind of like all her high school friends, right? So she comes and she and she's like, I want to see my high school boyfriend. So she shows up and she's like, Hey, where's Brainy? That's like the almost the first thing out of her mouth. Um, and then she goes off uh, with Brainy, and then she doesn't go home. So she stays with Brainy for a quite a few issues, all the way until the um, annual, uh, where Karate Kid and Princess Projector get married, and. Superboy comes back. Remember, he got knocked into the past by Darkseid, and I think this is—oh no—he came back for the reunion. That's it. But, so he comes back, and he's like, he's like, you know, where, you know, hey, uh, so you came back for uh, for this wedding? And he just says, you know, it's not, i don't get usually get to see you this much. He's like, oh, I I never went home. <laughs> And he's like, hmm, "Where's Brainy?" <laughs> so at this point, then everybody's like, you know, making jokes about it and, it, and it's it's very interesting. There's a there's a point at which Brainiac Five and um, and Superboy are playing a video game, and uh, it's a video game that he talks about how Superboy's like, and "I've never won this video game," and every time I play, you, you beat you. And this is and he says, "Oh, hey!" And Supergirl's been around a lot, hasn't she? And then Brainiac Five loses. <laughs> <laughs> And he, and he blushes. It's like, I don't think I've ever seen him blush. Um, so they really start their relationship back up again at that point. Um, and he makes her a her room in the new headquarters. It's the closest room to his uh, room and to his lab. Even though there is a row of rooms in between him and everybody else because he blows up his lab too much, uh, her room is the closest room. And, uh, and so they're really going hot and heavy. And the plan was uh, revealed later on that, that they were going to bring her to the future um, because even after the movie, the sales of her book were not that great and people really seemed to like her in the Legion. So they were going to bring her and see where that went. It wasn't necessarily going to be a permanent thing, but they were going to kind of explore what would happen when instead of Cara always going back, so they were obviously, you know, be in love when she was in the future and then she'd go away and, you know, Absence make the heart grow fonder. What would happen if she stayed around? And then, uh, of course, uh, we come to the last adventure that they're on together, and it doesn't go very well. Um, and at this time, we knew crisis was coming, and you know, it, it was, it was, you know, there's this kind of darkness on the horizon. But uh, it does not go well, and she, um, and she's like, I, I, two people die, and it's, it's not entirely her fault, but. She feels like it's her fault, and she uh, she's like, I need to go think about this and, and figure out what's right with my, you know, what's going on with my life. Uh, and she just kind of takes off, and you can see Brainiac 5 there, and he's like, but Baccaro, but wait. And you don't realize at this point, because at this point when you're reading the comics, originally you didn't know that was the last time she was going to be with, in the future, with the Legion. Um, but it's just like, when you look back on it, it's such this, this poignant, like Brainiac Five's face, like watching her go like, no, <laughs> I was going to have you stay for like 20 years and then you could go back. But, uh, the next time he sees her is during the crisis. Now the crisis on infinite earths, uh, robbed us of. Kara for 20 years and Barry Allen for 23 years. Um, so those of us who you know, are growing up in that time, it's like there, there's a whole generation of people who Wally West was their flash. Yeah. And we had a series of kind of not quite Supergirl Supergirls that really, you know, are all over the place because none of them were Kryptonians. So during the crisis, uh, the, everybody in the entire uh, DCU that it's like pretty much ever been a character in DC comics is part of the crisis. Um, and a lot of it is just kind of to say goodbye to some of these older characters, which they're kind of eliminating or moving around. And, of course, Kara got lumped in with that. Um, there was a move at the time to make Superman the last son of Krypton, and that meant getting rid of everything else Kryptonian. Um, that meant that no Supergirl, that meant no crypto, that meant no Streaky or Comet or Beppo. How dare they? Superman was never Superboy, but this was, this was a big deal. So. The crisis was how they were going to bring all that to happen. All of this change to make it an easier uh, DC universe for people to understand because there weren't so many characters and also to make it more adult because they were going to get rid of all of the fun childhood characters. So um, the crisis starts, and, and you don't know what's going to happen yet. It's like you, I don't think people at that time didn't know, and then I didn't know what was going to happen. But, uh, but it's really well written. And there's this one scene where everybody in the DCU is in a room and they're hearing the plan from the, the main characters of the crisis. Uh, there's Pariah, and there's uh, Alexander Luther, and uh, Harbinger. And they're all talking to the room full of every DC character ever, from the Challengers to Vigilante to Plastic Man, to every, everybody. And everyone is watching, and everyone is looking. And there may be a couple people who aren't, but pretty much everybody in the room is looking at the speakers, except Karen and Brainy. And Kara and Brainy are almost dead center in the picture, and they are having some kind of argument. And because so much other stuff is going on in the scene, you can't, I mean, you don't have any idea what they're saying. But obviously, most people interpret that as this is kind of Brainy trying one last time to get any extra time with Kara or to stop her from doing it. And he knows, you know, intellectually. That he can't stop her from saving the multiverse, because that'll be the end of the multiverse, and she'll die anyways. Um, But at the same time, this is the love of his life, and he doesn't want to see her get killed, so he's still trying to find a way to get out of it. Um, Of course, this doesn't work, and, and this is my favorite, and as much as I hate that Kara was gone, this is my favorite fight scene in comics. She is just amazing, and powerful, and dedicated and she knows that 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 this is very well going to be her death and she has to do it anyways she's scared and there's moments where she's scared and you're like it's very human and she's she's still fighting and it's just very encouraging to see someone who's like you know this this is she knows it's probably going to be her death and she has to do it anyways and then so she dies and the legion is just devastated um and Brainy is devastated and then she, he goes to the funeral and he's like crumpled up in a little ball with his head and his lap and, and Saturn goes there trying to, to make him feel better. And this is, it's weird because this is not Saturn girl at all. She is not a loving, caring person. Uh, I mean, she does care, but she's, it's, you know, she's in a very much a, you know, practical kind of way. And it's just, it's really, really sad. And then you know, it continues and Brainiac five immediately goes back and he's like, you know, he's, he's, he can't stop fighting the crisis, and he won't stop to think about Kara, and people are afraid he's going to snap. And then we get to um, the issue baptism. And baptism uh, takes place after Kara's death in, in, in the crisis, and it's kind of, I think, meant to be a cathartic issue where this is really traumatic for the Legion. Um, because not only is that happening, but all of, a lot of their backstory is getting ripped away, and really the writers at that point don't really know how they're going to put it back together. Um, because without Superboy and without Supergirl, you know, how do you have all of the plot lines in the Legion? You know, are they going to, ch- the character's going to change? Uh, are they going to find a way to, to save that backstory? I mean, they do try a bunch of things to save that backstory, but, uh, but it's kind of a catharsis. It's, it's a combination of a story about um, a, a, a lightning lad and Saturn girl's baby being baptized and, brainiac five dealing with the death of supergirl so it is a birth and a death and it's kind of that contrast of you know this is devastating it's an end but here we have life and hope in the future and Brainiac Five just is really in this series. It just it starts with him crying his eyes out, and it pretty much goes the whole issue, and that even continues three issues later. Uh, <laughs> he uh, he's he's devastated, and uh, and really he his best friend Ron Vidar, who I constantly refer to as worst best friend ever, Ron Vidar. And we'll <laughs> talk more about that in a minute as well. Um, but he uh, he's kind of a jerk, and he's kind of like this happened a thousand years ago. Um, you, know, you need to get over it, you need to put yourself together, you knew it was going to happen, you knew when you were dating Supergirl that she was going to die, and it, it happened, this is a fact you knew. Why are you so upset about it? But, but he, you know, I think this is the point where he knows that he's never going to see her again that way, that he's, she's, he's never going to be in the future of her timeline again. Um, every point at this point, it's, it's her past to him. And he, he can't handle it, and he's trying all these different things, he, he's drinking, and he's still crying. And he contemplates, you know, leaving the Legion, and he contemplates committing suicide, and then in the end, he just goes, he goes back to what he does, um, which is kind of what you do. And it's not, it's kind of the end of that book, but then you realize in the next, in the next, you know, three issues, he goes back to just watching Supergirl die over and over and over again, which is incredibly unhealthy, and and to the point where he doesn't realize that the effects of the crisis are starting to take effect. Um, and things are, the past is starting to change. And then he tries to work with Ron Vidar to stop that. And some of what they do and some of the things that happen, um, and this has to do with other characters as well, or, or, and other stuff that the Legion has done, but they're able to kind of stave off uh, the progression of the crisis into uh, the, the 30th century at that point still. And uh, and so for a while, Brainy is able able to remember Supergirl, so that history is intact and her statue stays in the memorial hall. And it stays in the memorial hall for several years, but they also have to get rid of Superboy.
1: I really like this issue, this baptism issue. Um, I I was I was only I, if if it's more than one issue, I was only able to to read the the one issue, which is Legion of Superheroes Volume Three, Number Sixteen, from November nineteen eighty five. Um, but I, I just really enjoyed uh, seeing that more serious side of Brainiac 5, just getting uh, a glimpse into to what he thinks about when he's, you know, when he's sad and when he's going through something really traumatic and hard. And um, he, he really delves into some serious questions and, and some things that he sort of beats himself up in that issue um, uh, about Computo, which we'll, we'll talk about because I have lots of questions about Computo <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and how he's he's brought destruction into the world, even though he's tried to do a lot of good things. And so I like seeing Brainiac 5 asking these questions, considering these things and having to really dig into some of these Big, bigger ideas and big questions. Um, and also just on a, a visual sort of superficial note, I really love the cover of that one. It's I, I think it's really beautiful. So um, I, I do enjoy that that baptism story.
2: If you can get your hands on the original paper uh, version of that issue, it's printed on a special paper called Baxter paper with a very uh, high quality ink. Um, and it, it held up, I mean, it, this is like a what, a 35-year-old issue, something like that? And it's, it's, it holds up great, and it's just an absolutely, from, from beginning to end, an absolutely beautiful issue. Uh, it's heartbreaking, but it's, it's gorgeous.
1: Yeah, that cover with Brainiac 5 crying on one side of the page and the other page is sort of Supergirl's death. Um, it, it is very uh, heartbreakingly beautiful.
2: So the crisis is over for the rest of the DCU, but the, the effects take a while to go into place. Now, Paul Levitz, who was the writer for The Legion at the time, had a secret plan to save Supergirl, Um, because really, Supergirl and Superboy are very essential to The Legion at this point in their histories. There's so much character development, and this was a book based on rich character development, and to rip these characters out was going to be very traumatic. So originally, it was his plan um, to save Supergirl and have her come to the future without her memory and slowly kind of recover there. Um, So they introduced a character named Sensor Girl. And this was a big mystery, who was Sensor Girl? And of course, Brainiac 5 believes that Sensor Girl is Kara, um, which is not really healthy for someone who's recovering from the death of a loved one, but she really looks like Kara. They give her a cape, like Kara's cape, and boots that are kind of like Kara's boots, hair, just like Kara. And she's about Kara's height. She stands like Kara, and she walks like Kara. So, everybody's thinking that she's Kara for about a year. Uh, all of the clues they give you, none of them dissuade you from thinking that it's Kara. But at some point, after the first few appearances of this character, who was originally going to be Kara, uh, DC editorial says, no, you cannot do this. This is, this is the mandate that Supergirl is out of continuity. She's gone. You cannot have her back. Um, so even though, you know, Supergirl is, they still remember Supergirl at this point, even though that slowly starts to weed away, uh, they can't have her back. So for a year, they get to keep the memory of Supergirl alive as they kind of try and figure out who this Sensor girl is. And there's quite, everybody has different theories, but but a lot of the characters and a lot of the the uh, readers thought that it was going to be Supergirl. And after a while, you, after revealing the clues, you find out it isn't. You find out it's Princess Projectra. And then from then on, I'm like, Princess Projectra. Is kind of a jerk. (laughs) Because who says, this is my good friend Brainiac 5 who just lost the love of his life. I'm going to dress up like her (laughs) and not tell anybody who I am. That's messed up. But eventually, you know, they make up and and he he gets better and and, uh, he starts to recover. And that's really at the point where you know now Supergirl's starting to fade away. She's not quite gone yet. The statue is still, and you can tell if people remember Supergirl by whether or not the statue is in the memorial hall. So, uh, at this point, Brainiac 5's friend Ron Vidar, our worst best friend ever, dies, and it's terrible because it's just at the point where he's starting to recover and he's starting to be you know happy again, and then suddenly. You know, at the end, the, the, the issue is called Brainiac Five's Lucky Day, and it's got another great cover if you want. It's just a picture of Brainiac Five sitting in a chair crying. Poor Brainy. He has a hard time. So you can see where we're, we're building up to something here. So he's crying. His, his best friend, uh, Ron Vidar, has died. Um, and then following that, they find out that he never really discovered time travel, uh, it had all just been a trick. And this is a way that they're going to explain. Um, You know, all of the traveling back and forth uh, to a past in the DCU that never existed. Um, So what they're saying is that Superman was never Superboy. And all their adventures with Superboy were in a pocket universe, which if people don't know what a pocket universe is, it's kind of like a tiny universe created for a specific purpose. And that Superboy there was their Superboy, not Superman. And that's devastating. So here, Brainiac has lost his girlfriend, his best friend, and now, uh, now he finds out his time travel was all of the stuff he's he's worked on his whole life was just a, a game to the time trapper.
1: I don't think this story should be called Brainy's Lucky Day. Doesn't sound like a lucky day to me.
2: No, no, this this has gone on. So Brainy's Lucky Day is just the start of it. So then we move into this this part where they go back in time, they go back to the pocket universe, uh, and they thwart the time trapper's evil plan. But during the the, uh, the thwarting of the plan. Uh Super Superboy dies, so the time trapper kills Superboy. So at this point, and this is something you see regularly from from Brainiac Five, it's kind of his MO. He kind of hits this point where he determines, and and I kinda of hope they do this on the show at some point, where he determines that someone has gone too far. He's sprocked with his friends, and he it just it he needs to be put down or stopped or eliminated. And this this is a recurring thing that happens with Brain. He's like, I'm go. This is done. I am focusing solely on this problem right now, and I'm going to fix it. And he's joined by Manel, uh, and Saturn Girl, and Duo Damsel because Duo Damsel used to date Superboy um, before she married Bouncing Boy. Um, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and the four of them form a conspiracy. And this arc is called Conspiracy. It starts in Legion of Superheroes issue 46. Um, from the 1984 run, um, and then uh, it goes into issue 50 with a little kind of epilogue in 51, and basically Brainiac Five and and his three conspirators begins to build something with which they can reach the Time Trapper at the end of time, and it's it's not easy, and they're trying to keep it secret from the rest of the Legion, and the rest of the Legion is like, you know, we want to get the, they want to get the Time Trapper too, but Brainiac Five knows this is a suicide mission, and all of these people are like, you know, if we die. That's worth it because this is Superboy and we owe it to Superboy. So they don't want to tell anybody else. So they go along building their machine, and and Monel is just stealing stuff from all over the universe to build Brainy's machine. And at one point, they needed power for the machine. So Element Lad is on monitor duty, which is basically you watch what other people are doing in the Legion, and if they need help, you send them help. And and it's not not really particularly eventful day. He's like, oh, it's a nice day. Look at the weather wait a minute, is that mon L? Wait, is he carrying a star? <laughs> <laughs> mon is flying towards uh, headquarters carrying a white dwarf star, uh, which Brainiac 5 then puts into a machine uh, to power a device that's supposed to crack the time barrier. Like we said, time travel gets harder. Uh, and send them into the end of time so that they can defeat the time trapper. This, of course, is one of Brainiac's plans that has, you know, a lot of, great stuff in it but it just doesn't quite work out the way he wants to and he ends up blowing up headquarters oh no so now everybody knows that brainy's up to something and everybody's angry and you know because he did do the headquarters and everybody's angry because they get realized that mon Allen and saturn girl and duo damsel are in on it um and then finally brain Egg five like, says, all right actually i think it's saturn girl so this is all right because she's the practical one uh, this is what we're doing we're going to do it. You know, you want to help us? Um, uh, that's fine. So then everybody decides they're going to help, and Brainiac 5 hits a wall because the star didn't work, and he's not sure that he can break time. He's not sure he ever understood time because now the Time Trapper and the Crisis on Infinite Earths has messed everything up. Uh, and he's about to give up when in the room walks his dead friend, worst best friend ever, on who was not so dead after all. Um, you notice why he's the worst best friend ever. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, he's like, not so fast. And the two of them who are, you know, science buddies, Brainiac you know, Neckfire's a little pissed that, you know, he's been upset all this time about Ron Vidar's death. And meanwhile, Ron Vidar is alive. But he's like, you know what? You know, let's work together. We're science buddies. And we, they work together to uh, figure out how to break through to the time trapper. Now, when they leave, they trick everybody so that only the, the uh, conspirators end up going to the, the uh, end of time. Because really, Brandy doesn't want to risk—I mean, there's kids, there's new new recruits to the Legion. He doesn't want to risk anybody else's life. He's like, you know, we're the original group. We knew Superboy. We're going to do it. Now Ron Vidar kind of hitches a ride, which pisses Brandy I was like, you're going to die. Uh, <laughs> you're just a dude. Because um, really, he's just a scientist um, who's Brainy's friend from the Time Institute. So Brainiac Five, uh, it, you know, they go to the future and they meet the time trapper, and Brainiac Five is like, "We're gonna end you," and he's like, "He's like, we are here to mess things up." And The time trapper is like, "Oh, come on, mortals, you know, <laughs> you know, let's have some fun." So bring it. Um, so first up is Saturn Girl, and Saturn Girl goes after him with a psychic attack, and it doesn't work, and she gets trashed. Then it's Duo Damsel, and you're thinking to yourself, "This girl's power." Is she becomes two girls. <laughs> so really, you know, she's there because she loves Super Superboy, and there's not really much anybody could have done to stop her from going, but she's she's done, and she actually loses her second half. So ah. she, we'll talk in a minute about how she lost. She was originally a triplicate girl, so she lost her first duplicate back in the Silver in Age. She now loses her second, but she becomes just more new, you know, with no superpowers. So that's two down. Then it's Monel. Now Monel, you know, he brings a really good show. He does, you know, he's he's gotten into this picking up stars thing. So he goes out and he gets another star. Not the most original plan thing is he just carried a star, but he then takes this the star, which is is the end of time. So This is the last star in existence, and he throws it at the time trapper. Which I was like, whatever. And he's like, here, I'm going to entropy you. So he starts super aging Monel and kind of tearing him apart. I think you guys talked in the episode about Monel about how that messed him up um so he really does a number on monel and then and then ron vidar pops out and he's like i gotta save monel and, and he's like what are you gonna do and ron vidar pulls out a green lantern ring mm. because you know the green lanterns have been banned and that's what he you know he had the green lantern ring it saved him and it's kind of illegal on earth but you know this is the end of time so he puts on his green lantern outfit and his green lantern ring and he runs up and he tries to save monel and he he keeps monel alive but uh just barely and he he Tries to fight the Time Trapper and, and the Time Trapper's like, whatever, Green Lantern Ring, whatever, you know, and he, and he knocks him out. So now all these powerhouses are down. And we're left with Brainiac 5, who has uh, 12th level intellect <laughs> and a force field belt. And Brainiac 5, and he's like, well, you know, it's fitting you're the last one because you're the one who's been causing me trouble. You know, the, the Time Trapper's like, you're the one that's been causing me trouble all this time. And, you know, it's fi- it's finally, what, how do you justify coming to the end of time uh, to try and destroy me? And Franny Five is like I've come here because you killed my friend, and you destroyed my research, and you and this is and and this is interesting because this is the last time anyone refers to Kara in the history. He says and and you know and you're trying to take the memory of the woman I love, and uh, and, and he's like and I'm going to end you, and that's really it. And after this point, he won't remember Kara, but but uh, but. He's he's standing up to this guy who just trashed Monel, trashed the Green Lantern. He seems to be pretty much unstoppable at this point. And then the time Trapper's like, "You're going to come up against me, and I'm entropy itself." And he's talking his big bad guy game. And Brainiac Five looks at him, and he laughs, and he goes, "Ha!" And then and then the time Trapper is so. And this is one of the best panels. This is this is one of my favorite panels of all of comics. It is a full page. And it just features the words, you dare. Mm. And then Brainiac Five is kind of flying across the, uh, the surface of the words. So it's kind of taking you out. You're like outside the comic at this point. Um, that's how powerful the time trapper is. And he gets knocked across. And then the time trapper's going on about, like, I don't I'm so mad right now. I don't even know how to punish you. And he's talking because this is what bad guys do. And this is why they don't get defeated. And so he starts talking about how he's going to punish Brainiac Five. And Brainiac is like, you know what? I'm sorry. You're totally right. You're entropy. You are the end of time. You're the end of all things. And this is another thing that Brainiac 5 does a lot is he kind of he's like, you know, I'm going to be submissive. I'm going to, like, let you think you're winning. I'm going to knock you off your guard for a minute. And the, and the time trapper's like, it's too late to apologize. And then he's like, you see a close-up of Brainiac 5's eye. And it's got, you know, his little snarky eyebrow. And he's got a little snarky half smile because you only see half of his face. And he says, but there's another theory of the universe. And he presses a button on his belt. And this is another thing you'll see him do, is he presses a button. And usually when that button is pressed, it is over for whoever he's facing. And you don't know how, you don't know why, he doesn't know why, but it is done. (laughs) Uh, And out jumps the infinite man. Now, the infinite man is a character uh, that is a failed experiment by Ron Vidar and Brainiac 5, Uh, They created a character that just cycled through time, building up energy over and over and over and over and over again from the beginning to the end. So he's a character, and this is Nerdy Nerdville, right? So he's a character based on the the theory that time is a cycle. And the Time Trapper is based on a character. The theory is that time is entropy and eventually all things decay. And here they're fighting each other. And these are two ideas. They're not even characters. And Brainiac 5 is sitting there like, yeah, everybody, hold on, because we're probably not going to survive this. But I'm finishing it, and he uses Force about to send a beam in, and it's basically like they're fighting, and there's a they're they're creating a portal uh, uh, that's going to send them cycling through time, which is going to kill them both. everybody Five basically kicks them into the portal, <laughs> <laughs> and then that's it. They zap back to their own time, and everybody's and everybody except Triplicate Girls, Duplicate is okay, and that really is, I think. To me, you know, and I ask a lot of people on my Twitter, what is the issue that for you won you over to Brainiac Five, that really, really made Brainiac Five for you? And this is that issue, and it's it's a very visual issue. And I hope I did some uh, justice with the descriptions, but you really got to read it um, if you have a chance. And the cover, again, on the cover on Legion of Superheroes number no. 50 is one of the most beautiful covers in comics. If you get a chance to read it. After that, you know, there's some brouhaha about the fact that he used the Infinite Man uh, and Brainy leaves Legion for a while, and that series kind of winds down. And then we move on to the five years later. So in five years later... Uh, they decided to do something different. It was the late eighties and all the comics were going dark and gritty. So they said, well, the Legion's always been kind of happy, fun future, you know, utopia, everybody works together. What happens if there's a war and it's very gritty? Um, And so they jumped uh, to five years later and then they did uh, an interesting soft reboot. So crisis is caught up. The Legion's history makes no sense. They need to repair it to make sense. There's no Supergirl. There's no Superboy. So what they did was they had a character named Glorith, who had been the apprentice of the Time Trapper, kind of redo time the way she wanted it. And then she becomes the big bad guy for this series. And when she does this, and this is why it's important for us, is she creates a character um, called Laurel Gand. And Laurel Gand is a Daxamite like Mon-El. So she's a... Not maybe not a descendant of Monel, but in some way related to Monel, um, who now because there was no Superboy is just called Largand or Valor, uh, because he can't be named Monel because Superboy did that. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so she, so she is in the story, and you're like, well, who is this mysterious character? And it doesn't take them very long to give her an issue where she basically reveals that her entire backstory is uh, is Supergirl's backstory. Hmm. So she was the one who dug the hole and, and got the, uh, the artifacts. She was the one who fell in love with Brainiac 5. Um, and now they finally get a chance to explore what happens to Kara and Brainiac 5 uh, when Kara never has to go back to the past, right? So they start their relationship and they just continue it. And they're in love for a very, very, very long time. Um, but, uh, they hit a point where, you know, bad things happen and, and you know, it's Brainiac five. So you know, he feels guilty about every time he fails and he starts to kind of blame that on, uh, on the distraction, uh, that is Laurel and that she's keeping him from doing the good that he could be doing. And he starts to become kind of bitter and, and cold. Um, and then, so the, over the five years gap at some point, it, this kind of, matches up with the time that Brainiac 5 left the Legion after defeating the Time Trapper uh, to go and, and study on Kolu. This Brainiac 5 also left the Legion to go and study on Kolu, but it was slightly different. And during that time, uh, she she uh, started a relationship with worst best friend ever, Ron Vidar. No. <laughs> That's not right.
1: (laughs) I know. Oh no!
2: (laughs) And they have a baby. (gasps) Oh, they're not married, but they have a baby um, named Lauren. So they they're trying to make it work. So this is uncomfortable, right? So you know, he has to come back to the Legion, and and she's there with his best friend and their baby, and he's like, he's upset because he misses uh, he misses both uh, Laurel, who's his Supergirl. And and Ron, who's his best buddy, but he's not really comfortable being <laughs> either one of them anymore.
1: I could see that being awkward.
2: He doesn't know how to talk about it because you know he's never really been great talking about his feelings, and uh, and that just kind of festers for a while. And and it's an interesting exploration. I'm not going to tell you their whole story, but it's an interesting exploration that goes on for a little while, and then DC decides it's too gritty. Um, and <laughs> kids aren't reading the comics. And so they—they what they, they do is something very interesting, and in this it, it gets makes for some very interesting stories. They find a set of time displaced clones of themselves, basically their Silver Age selves. So at some point in time, they were split, and they're both the real Legionnaires. And there's some there's a lot of questions about whether or not which one's which. And they find out eventually they're both the real people. Hmm. They're just time split. So. You have this set of Legion, uh, of Legionnaires, who are, you know, in their late teens. And you have this set of Legionnaires who are in their, you know, late 20s, early 30s. And it's really kind of looking at, the kids get to look at what they could become, and the adults get to look at what they were, and they have a lot of introspection. And then this Brainy and this Laurel look at what happened to that Brainy and that Laurel. And they're like, that's never going to happen to us. <laughs> so, so, they get closer together because of what happens there, and and really, you know, the young brainy sees Brainiac Five being cold, and he's like, you know, whatever, dude. You know, it's like, I know I'm you. I know what you're really feeling. Um, and it's just, it's an interesting exploration of, you know, what if you could meet your younger self? All of this goes on for a few years, um, not terribly long, and uh, uh, so that's we've already had two Laurel Gans now, two Andromedas. And then they get, uh, they, they come across something called Zero Hour. And so what happened was they had the dark reboot, and then they had, uh, they added the kids on. So there's another, there's, there's the light legion and the kind of older gritty legion living side by side and appearing in the same stories. Uh, and then they decided, oh, you know, we're just going to scrap it and start from scratch. And no Superboy, no Supergirl. This is a completely new legion. And that legion uh, was the post-zero-hour legion, and that lasted from 1994 to, I feel like, 2004. And that legion, there was an Andromeda, but she was um, a Nazi. Oh. So, <laughs> so she belonged to a dexamite group called the White Triangles, which is a xenophobic group of terrorists. And um, she, Brainiac, she and Brainiac Five do like each other, but of course he's not a Daxamite, um, so she has trouble with that. Uh, and eventually, um, she turns on on the White Triangle and helps the Legion. But it's at that point she's done a lot of damage, um, so she goes away um, and fakes her death like Ron Vidar And again, Brainy has a breakdown uh, <laughs> because he wasn't able to save her. And then she comes back later and <laughs> and becomes a nun. <laughs> So brady has got no luck right now. And this is really, uh, it's it's still a few more years. And towards the end of that run is when he starts to uh, kind of cozy up to Lyle. And he and Lyle uh, have this friendship that may be more. There's some hints that maybe they're going out. Uh, that maybe he might have their pictures of Lyle, <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, and then and then of course they share a kiss at one point. It's a kiss on the cheek, and it's kind of very innocent, but it's 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 kind of led to more speculation about their relationship.
1: That's really fascinating. I did not know that Andromeda was a version of Supergirl, so that is uh, eye opening for me, and uh, I'll, I'll have to investigate that a little more. So that's really cool. Well, um, and in, in terms of, uh, I know he had some. Uh, relationship drama there with dream girl. Uh, do you know anything about that as well?
2: Yes. So, uh, earth 33, I believe is the earth, um, that the, uh, uh, three boot legion as it is known, uh, occurred on. Now the three boot legion was an attempt to take the legion, strip out all of the history, look at what made the characters tick, um, and then kind of reconstruct them from that mess. Uh, and so this meant that you had different characters with different relationships to each other. And one of the interesting things they found was uh, that, that there had always been some chemistry between Dream Girl and Brainy. Because Dream Girl was a girl who was very, very smart. But she liked to pretend she wasn't to get the boys to like her. Uh, it is, it's quite a few times that Brainy talks about how smart she is. And then there's at one point she's like, oh, you're you're one of the four smartest people in the Legion and he really doesn't get why she continues to play the fool. Now, there was never really anything romantic, but uh, they did have a good relationship, and when he quits the Legion, um, before uh, the five years later Legion, when he quits the Legion uh, to go work on Kolu, she ends up inheriting his lab and taking over the lab for the rest of that series. Um, so there is, there's always been some connection there. She knows how to use his belt. She knows how to, to do a lot of what he does. Um, and so there, there was always that kind of uh, mutual respect but in this new uh, reality, uh, they took the concept that Brainiac Five's, you know, raison d'être, the thing that keeps him going, is this idea that there is no problem that he can't solve, and that there is no issue that he can't fix, which is in direct conflict with Dream Girl's power set, which is what she dreams cannot be changed. Oh yeah, and that's that's interesting. He needs to. He cannot accept the fact that. She dreams something and there's nothing he can do to make it not happen because it's going to happen. And he's part of that. And her telling him about the dream is part of that. And it's kind of drives him a little crazy. And so they have a lot of banter back and forth and, and he's like, just stop it. You know, there's cause and effect. The world works on cause and effect. You can't keep telling me, you know, telling me what's going to happen before it happens. And, uh, and, and she thinks it's, I think she thinks it's kind of funny. And then, she at one point jokes with him and and he's like, he's like, she's upset because something happened in her dream and she doesn't want it to come true. And he's like, you know what? Your dreams don't have to be infallible. I'm going to do my best to make sure it doesn't happen. And she looks at him and she says, you'll feel differently when we're married. (laughs) (laughs) And and then she walks away and he's just like, what, wait, what? And (laughs) And it's kind of like, it goes into his head, and it goes. And it went into everybody's head. It wasn't just there. That was a great scene, and everybody was like, oh, now we need to see what happens with, with Dream Girl
1: and Brainiac 5. So do they end up getting married? Yes, but it's not the way you think. <laughs> uh, so,
2: so by issue, uh, I believe it's issue 8, I'm not entirely sure what the issue number is, but it's not very far into the run. Dream Girl dies. <gasps> oh, no. So she has a premonition that... It basically, she has to stop of her premonitions. She can't see beyond a certain point. And Brainiac 5 thinks there's something wrong with her powers. So he's slaving away to try and figure out what's wrong with her powers. We have to fix her powers. We need to be able to see the future. What he doesn't anticipate is that the reason why she can't see the future is because she's not in it. And at that point, when she dies, it's like when Kara died, and he kind of shuts down a little bit. And he takes his force Field belt... And he walks over to her dead body, and he puts it on top. And everybody's, Brainy, you need that force field belt. We're still in the middle of a battle. You can't stop. You have to, you know. And he's like, no, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Kind of like in that the, the episode, uh, uh, season three, episode 11, when he's like, nope, I'm thinking.
1: And,
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so he stays there for a couple of issues, where he's just standing there over Dream Girl's body, and it's just trapped in the force field. Eventually, he comes out of it, and, and he finishes the battle, but what he has done is he traps her soul inside of his force shield, um, and then which is not, you know, too science but you know, hey, Brainy's like, it's all energy, and this is conservation of energy, and no energy has left her body, so everything is still there, so I should be able to save it, so he works with a bunch of different things, and he's able to do this crazy experiment, which um, shoots... Which is supposed to put her consciousness back in her body And bring her back to life But the problem is the, his head gets in the way of the beam uh, <laughs> So it doesn't actually do that So what ends up happening And this in the comic Depending on who's writing it It's portrayed differently But basically he ends, she ends up living in his dreams So this is around the same time As the Battlestar Galactica um, Was out, the new Battlestar Galactica and there's a character in there, um, I think it's Six, who lives in Baltar's head. Yes, yes. And and so this is kind of like that. So she'll come out and she'll say, hey, Brainy, you know, tomorrow you don't want to eat the toast because, you know, it's spoiled or whatever. So, so she'll come out and give him predictions every now and then. Um, and they kind of hang out in his head. Um, and that's where they start to build a relationship. Really, before she dies, there's a scene where she's talking to Saturn Girl about how much she likes Starboy. So before she dies, she's not really interested in Brainiac 5. But while she's living in his head, and she's seeing firsthand who he is and what he does, which nobody else sees. Because this particular Brainiac 5 is very secretive. And she sees, like, you know, she's doing this all for, like, you know, the good and, and the right reasons. And he's very smart. And... And he's, she starts to see who he really is inside his head. Now, you know, it, depending on who's writing it, sometimes she's able to go into other people's heads and sometimes she lives in his head and they, they're not really consistent. But that goes on really until the very last issue um, when he finally makes her a body and she comes out and they get engaged.
1: So they do get married. I think it's important for us to, uh, from Supergirl Radio, to kind of understand Dream Girl and her relationship with Brainy since Dreamer will be introduced in uh, season four of Supergirl, uh, who is going to be sort of uh, connected to Dream Girl. So uh, I, I think it's something that I would like to learn more about uh, just because Girl is a character that I don't, uh, admittedly, don't have a lot of knowledge about. So that's good to know about her, her relationship dynamic with Brainiac 5 because I wonder if they will talk about that on the show. Honestly, I shipped that
2: ship pretty hard at the time. So I think they have a really great chemistry, and I'd like to see some of that come into the show uh, about how, you know, Brainiac 5's like, I can fix any problem. And Dream Girl's like, well, yeah, but this is how it's going to be. So you got to just deal with it. Uh, <laughs> and I think that that dynamic will be good too. I'm, I'm hoping they don't play her as the ditzy kind of Dream Girl um, because I feel like that's something that belongs in the 60s and maybe the 70s and and just let her be smart. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they don't go that route. But I think that the banter between them even back then was great and, and her ability, to, you know, and her knowing the future and Brainy knowing that he can't change it. Of course, it's maybe a Brainy that knows a dream girl in the future. And, you know, he might be able to, he might be saying, you know, like, I know your dreams are infallible. Maybe she's the one who needs to accept it in this. So it will be interesting to see what they do with that character. I'm really excited about that.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned Brainiac, uh, five, well, you mentioned, uh, Starboy, with Brainiac Five, and one yes. of the uh, stories that I read uh, in terms of Brainiac Five's <laughs> history was a story called Brainiac Five's Secret Weakness. Yes, um, and this this is a story that is, I think, is kind of sad, but also kind of creepy if uh, if you <laughs> want to look at it that way. But uh, this is a story where the basic gist of it is that at, at the beginning of the story, you're you're told that Brainy's been having trouble sleeping and. At at the same time, he's been thinking about Supergirl a lot, and he he even mentions at one point that Supergirl was the only girl he ever really loved. And Brainy and Starboy go they they go hang out for a weekend at this place called the Recreation Asteroid, which is a man made paradise of fun and pleasure. And uh, this is where he uh, encounters Supergirl. He reconnects with Supergirl, and and she tells him that life without him is meaningless. And I'm sure that's something that he he wanted to hear. (laughs) And uh, so Supergirl convinces Brainy to quit the Legion and go away with her. And so they end up uh, going away and they they encounter this uh, deadly Zotron belt of radiation. And during that time, Supergirl saves Brainy with her cape. It's actually kind of an interesting way <laughs> to rescue him. She he, she wraps him up in a cape. And uh, at that time, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I tried to hang out in there with this story, but uh, <laughs> this Kara, this Supergirl who saves him in this situation, is actually revealed to be the real Kara, uh, because Starboard called her because they're like freaking out cuz Brainiac 5 quit the Legion. Um and so it's uh it's revealed that uh this one is the real Supergirl, but the uh Supergirl that he thought he was running away with was actually a mechanical android that he built himself out of loneliness. So he got really lonely and was missing Supergirl, and he just uh, built this mechanical android uh, and didn't realize it. He had he had no idea that he was doing this. Um, so uh, I thought that that was a really interesting story, that he had programmed this android uh, to love him and sort of dressed her up as Supergirl to pretend that she was Supergirl. Um, and, uh, it was very tragic cause it showed how much, I, I think it showed how much he loved her. Um, but he may, maybe went about it, uh, a, a, a weird way.
2: So let's take a minute to deconstruct the levels of crazy. <laughs> <here>. <laughs> so, so, you know, a normal person, you know, like a normal dude, they miss their girlfriend, they make a robot that looks like the girlfriend, they go to a spa by themselves and, you know, then they're done. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's not what Brainy does. (laughs) Um, You know, that would be too normal. So what Brainy does is he basically, he's really depressed and he builds a robot. um, But not just a robot that looks like Supergirl. He builds a self-aware robot who knows she isn't Supergirl. Then he takes a self-aware robot who knows she isn't. He's not doing this consciously. He's doing this in his sleep. In some of the funkiest looking pajamas that I've ever seen, <laughs> it's like some kind of medieval prince, but with no pants. Uh, so he builds, he built, So he's built a, a robot who is self-aware, who knows she's not Supergirl, uh, and he builds her to love him. So it is a self-aware robot, knows she's not Supergirl, knows she has to pretend to be Supergirl to get him to love her, and so who loves him, and then he programs her to take him to a place where they will both die because he he has because subconscious brainiac five has no idea that supergirl is going to come save him um so she immediately takes him from the spa and takes him into a radiation storm where they're both about to die she knows she's not supergirl she knows she doesn't have a cape that can save brainiac five she maybe doesn't know that the radiation storm is deadly until they get there and that's maybe a saving grace, or maybe she is just a suicide bot. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but at the end of the issue, the look on Brainiac Five's face when I mean, the entire time she's explaining it, he's like devastated. And Supergirl's standing right there. So like, how embarrassing is that? And he, but when he holds her at this point, I mean, he could be just embarrassed. Oh my gosh! But he's he's built this self-aware robot, and he respects the fact that that this is a terrible thing that he's did, and he holds her in this kind of classical pose uh, that's inspired by the La Piata statue that's in the Vatican, which is um, Mary holding Jesus you know, as he's dying. And it's just this very powerful classical image of him holding this robot as she dies. And Supergirl just stands there and waits until the robot is dead. And she's like, okay, we got a motor because uh, this ship's going to blow up. And she <laughs> wraps him in her cape and takes him home. And then this is where I'm like, What's, come on, Supergirl, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Her boyfriend built a self-aware robot to kill himself. And she's like, but I'm not going to break up with you. You know, I mean... I'm going to come back. So you should just wait for me. You shouldn't move on or get therapy. You should just wait for me to come back. And then she makes out with him. <laughs> like, you know,
1: like, this is not healthy, children. It ends <laughs> on a, a nice note, but getting there is the, <laughs> the strange part. So I, yeah. I I would recommend it just because it's a, kind of a weird read. Uh, but it's it's an interesting look into uh, Brainiac 5 and, and how much he, he loves Supergirl.
2: And he never lives that down. He, when he thinks – so when I, I told you a little bit earlier about Sensor Girl, it is Chameleon Boy's – theory that Sensor Girl is another robot of Supergirl that Brainiac
1: 5 built. Yeah, you, ne- you never know. You never know. It could be. Now, speaking of uh, robots that maybe could go oh, go out of control, uh, let's just uh, go through real quick. Um, uh, give me a real quick uh, description of Computo and sort of Brainiac 5's uh, invention of this uh, computer that sometimes goes a little haywire.
2: Yeah. So what it starts out with is basically Brainiac 5 cannot learn from history and he's going to create another computer tyrant of Kolu. And again, like the you know ancient Kaluans a thousand years earlier, he uh, you know made a very smart robot. Um, but while he's making the robot, everybody keeps annoying him. And so people come and ask for this and come and ask for that. And Prodi sneaks into the lab and committee boy has to come and get him. And he's just, he's angry. He's like, get out, get out of my lab. And that the robot sees this, and this is his first uh, encounter with emotions. And he's like, what did you just do that for? And he's like, oh, you know, I was angry because they were... so the robot starts to use – you know, starts to look up what is – I guess the future internet. He starts to look up what is angry. What is these emotions? What is it? And then he starts to learn things, and the robot's like, "Well, I'm angry at you. And the robot – builds an army to kind of take over. And it's, it's kind of a, a, the same thing that probably happened with the computer tyrants of Kolu, except the Legion is here this time to stop them. And Brainiac 5 is to be like, oh, I messed up big time. Um, but, you know, this is his creation. This is actually before Ultron, which is the Marvel equivalent to, uh, to Computo. And it's a very similar story um, where super scientist creates a robot that then, you know, is it, out of its control. Uh, it 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 kills one of uh, triplicate girl's duplicates so that's how she becomes duo damsel and this this is something that he tries to make up to for her for the rest of their lives uh, and he will always feel guilty for that. I, when he's you know, contemplating suicide, thinking about all the damage he's done, that's what he's talking about with Computo because it killed one of uh, duplicate girls' duplicates. And when a car guy loses one of their duplicates, it's like they're dying themselves. Um, so he feels really guilty about that. Uh, he eventually figures out how to stop it that first time uh, by bringing in a bizarro computo, <laughs> which is a silver age way to solve things. And then everybody's really happy because Brainy was able to find a way to fix it, which meant maybe he won't feel as guilty about it because they they love him and they really, you know, they know this was a mistake and they don't want him to feel bad about it, but it's still kind of scary. He doesn't give up on computo because he feels for it. Um and this kind of goes on over the years where computer like he keeps working on that code thinking, um, I could just fix it, and then it would be a functioning member of society, and and it, it becomes more human to him, I think, every time he does it. But uh, you know, it, it goes on to eventually it, it, he uses the source code to save a child um, who is the sister of the second Invisible Kid, but then the computer possesses the child and they have to fight it it's, it's a really great that is another really great issue that's one of the annuals of the, but but uh, but it's too long a story to tell now um, and you know he it it comes back he's finally able to actually it's supergirl who helps him to turn it into something useful because he's really distracted um, thinking about supergirl and there's a lot of panels of him like oh, I'm thinking about supergirl and I'm like I'm not concentrating You concentrate I guess and then he makes a mistake which causes him to be able to fix computer, and make computo so it's that mistake that makes you know computo the uh helpful robot that he becomes for a while but that doesn't last long uh, and eventually uh i think it's the it's either the, Kunz, the dominators it's one of the alien species gets a hold of the source code and creates a character called bion which is uh which is another evil robot which, is ba- which we find out later is Computo, that they have taken the code for Computo and made it into this evil robot. And Brainiac 5 is so tired at that point, he's like, I can't, uh, I can't fix it again, you know, because this, this is old, tired Brainiac 5 at this point. Um, Computo then comes up later in the uh, post-Zero Hour Legion and leads another army, and... You know now, you know I think we're we're around two, the turn of the millennium, around 2000, and that we've become more enlightened as a society towards AI. And I think the way that he solves it there, um, another Kaluan shows up to help fight Computo, and this person has zero tolerance towards AI um, because of the computer overlords of uh, a computer tyrants of Kaluun, and they're like, look, you know, we're Kaluan. we don't deal with AI, you don't create AI, we just destroy it. And which is kind of ironic because now Brainiac 5 is an AI, but that's a whole other <laughs> story. Um, and But what Brainiac 5 does is he takes a different route, and he's like, you know, look, he's frustrated because he's like a angry you know, teenager, and what has to happen is he needs to become more enlightened, so he needs more information, not less. He doesn't need to be destroyed. He needs to be shown the way. And even though he fights the idea that the computer is his son for a while, he kind of ends up embracing it, in helping Computo to evolve, and once Computo realizes the real nature of the universe, he becomes peaceful and goes off and doesn't bother anybody for a while. Um, I assume if that series had gone on, he would have come back a few times as an evil robot again. But <laughs> <laughs> but that then series got rebooted, um, and so that's really that's that's the most, you know the, pretty much the sum of Computo. Uh, Brainiac Five keeps trying to fix Computo. Keeps trying to make Computo, uh, you know, uh, his friend, and uh, it keeps backfiring.
1: Well, I, I thought Computo was a, uh, a a fun part of Brainiac Five's history, uh, just because, it, you know, evil robots—what uh, what can go wrong? <laughs> Um, well, I think that will probably cover most of the comic stuff because I know Brainiac Five has a very vast history. There's lots to cover with Brainiac Five in the comics, but um, but thank you for sharing your comic knowledge. That I, I have a lot of stuff I need to investigate now. Um, But in terms of uh, some of his other uh, interpretations, uh, Brainiac 5 has also been on television. He's actually been on a a lot of TV shows. Uh, The first time that he appeared on television was in Superman the Animated Series in the episode New Kids in Town, which features the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, He makes kind of a silent cameo. Uh, He's seen chatting with his teammate, Triplicate Girl, which we uh, talked about when we talked about Computo, the tragic story of uh computo's uh murdering of one of the uh the triplicates um so he uh makes a cameo in superman the animated series you don't hear him talk he doesn't really do anything he's just kind of there but he does have a sweet mullet yes (laughs) uh so so you can definitely tell that it's it's brainiac five in superman the animated series Um, In the next uh, animated television show that he is in, he does make an appearance on Justice League Unlimited in one of my favorite episodes called Far From Home. He is voiced uh, this time by Matt Zucre who is the actor who brings him to life. And in this episode, Burning at 5 brings Green Arrow, Supergirl, and Green Lantern into the future via a time bubble uh, that is one of his creation, creations to help him battle the Fatal Five. Um, and of course, in this episode, this is where uh, Supergirl, this is Supergirl's last uh episode uh, for the dcau uh so she uh ends up staying in the future with brainiac 5 because even uh she develops a little crush but it's not love at first sight i don't think from supergirl's point of view because she does it like their uh first interaction in the comics Uh, There is the, oh no, this guy is Brainiac thing at first. So she does take a couple of swings at him, but throws a couple of punches his way. But uh, he has that uh, sweet force shield belt. So he can can take (laughs) her punches. Uh, But they do develop a a liking to each other. Brainiac uh, 5 even uh, sort of almost says, I love you to her. Um, but she does choose to remain in the future with the Legion. And I think that's a really great way for her to go out of the, the DCAU. Uh, so that's uh, one great episode if you're looking for a good Brainiac 5 animated episode. So that
2: panel where uh, he runs after her and says, "I love," and he almost says, I love you. That is almost exactly the panel where he actually does chase after her and say, I love you uh, in 1970. Uh, at the end of the Silver Age, so that that was there's a lot of those nice little nods in there that were like exact panels from some of the the more classic, uh, Supergirl episodes. I, I call that the day that we got everything that we ever wanted.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really cool to know that they they uh, tried to incorporate some of those things from the comics into that episode. There's a lot of lot of good Legion of Superheroes uh, nods and characters and um, Easter eggs in there. If you are a big fan of the Legion um the next big animated television series that brainiac 5 appears in who in and in this one he is kind of one of the regular characters who shows up all the time he's not just a cameo it's not just one episode Um, If you're looking for a lot of good Brainiac 5 stuff in animation, check out the Legion of Superheroes cartoon, because um, the Brainiac 5 in there is really great. He's voiced by an actor named Adam Wiley, and this version of Brainiac 5 is, of course, a Kaluan, a nano-based cybernetic organism that not only possesses 12-level intelligence, uh, but he can also assume a human-like form, which can... Uh, change its shape to create tools and weapons or transform into even a a big large battle robot so he he is very mechanical in this series very much a robot Um, and if I was going to recommend some episodes to check out for Brainiac 5 check I, I would recommend to watch Brain Drain uh, it's a great episode where uh, Brainy is having to undergo what Kaluan's call the alignment, which is a process where everyone's memory is uploaded to the Kaluan hive mind and it's shared with everyone else. And he kind of loses control of his mind. His his body gets separated from his brain and he gets a little goofy and everybody kind of has to babysit him a little bit. So it's kind of more of a comedic Episode. He has a really special bond with Superman on that series. So that's a, a great episode that, that sort of highlights what Superman would do to uh, help save his friend Brainiac 5. I would also recommend an episode called Fear Factory, which is uh, an episode where the Legion boards the ship known as the Quavermass 12. And the, it's kind of weird. The ship can sense their fear. And Brainiac Five's sort of his biggest fears is that he's not human, and he's not going to be human. He's he's going to be separated from uh, from other people. He kind of wants to have that humanity inside him, but he can't. He he's not going to be able to experience that. But. Uh, in order to defeat Quavermass, Brainy functions as a digital virus and sacrifices himself, uh, giving Superman the opportunity to save the rest of their friends. And uh, it's really dramatic. It looks like Brainiac 5 has died but don't freak out. Don't worry about Brainy. Spoiler alert, he gives <laughs> Superman a backup disc of himself, which brings Brainy back to life. So I think it's really clever. It shows uh, how smart Brainiac 5 is and how much he would do to save his friends, even if it meant to uh, you know possibly lose his own life. So I, I think uh, the Legion of Superheroes Uh, animated cartoon is just i I think it's so good and it teaches uh a lot about the legion of superhero characters and i think the brainiac 5 character in that is is very good in terms of live action television uh brainiac 5 was on smallville james marsters uh, of course played brainiac the original Brainiac for some time, but then he comes back in season 10 in an episode titled Homecoming where he actually played Brainiac 5. He wears a purple jacket and a green shirt and a Legion flight ring, and uh, he brags about how the ring, time travel, and all of his creations brought the Legion into a new realm of heroism, and in the episode, he takes Clark Kent through a series of flashbacks as well as some moments set in the present to demonstrate how Clark has been beating himself up, and he encourages Clark to stop worrying about the past. So that Brainiac Five um, is is more set in a more realistic uh the the smallville way where you know clark wears the the red jacket and the blue shirt that sort of tries to mimic the uh the the cape and the tights uh so you you don't see him in his uh you know brainiac 5 gear but he does have the legion flight ring and he does sort of do some time traveling there uh so that's a that's an interesting take on the the brainiac 5 character And uh, that brings us to Supergirl and Jesse Rath uh, and his interpretation. Of course, season three introduced Brainiac 5, which I think is really interesting. The show spells it Brainiac uh, dash or hyphen five. Most of what I saw with the comics, they would just spell it Brainiac 5 with no hyphen so it's very very confusing it's the whole marin mirin situation all over again (laughs) um but this version of brainiac 5 was first described by tv line as quote half computer half organic life and boasting a 12th level intellect brainiac 5 is a member of the legion of superheroes who travels to national city from the 31st century to help supergirl and the deo battle reign unquote so that does kind of sum up his uh part of season three and what he was there to do so Wendy just really quickly um, what, what do you think about Jesse's performance so far as Brainiac 5
2: I absolutely love it I can't I can't complain about anything that Jesse Roth has done and obviously it was a little jarring when he wasn't green when he showed up uh, but it really has grown on me the makeup has kind of grown on me and it's the CW wig right there's not much you can do about that <laughs> uh, this is you know I, in all the flashbacks of arrow it's the same kind of problem uh, but uh, but I do I do think Jesse has done an amazing job uh, I knew I when I first heard that he was going to be cast uh, in the part I was very excited because I knew that he was a comic book fan uh, back from his defiance days uh, and he really has put in a lot of time and you can tell from the new nuances in his performance that he's really thinking about, you know, Brainiac as a character and what would Brainiac be doing and he's referencing stuff that's actually happened in the comics and, and you feel like there's kind of like a depth there that hopefully we get to see more of in the next season and really he just, I mean, he's a fun guy, he, he's been great with the fans and uh, and I think he really understands the character and I'm really looking forward to what happens uh, next season.
1: Even though I wish he was a little greener myself, <laughs> I, I think he did a, a, a really good job of uh, Trying to make Brainiac Five a character, he he really yep. thought about what he was going to do with his hands and the way he would speak and uh, the way he would carry himself and communicate with others. So I think he is he is embodying that uh, that sort of half human half robot thing very well. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with him now that he's going to be more of a regular character on the show and seeing how they develop those relationships with our. our Kind of core Supergirl cast, so uh, I'm 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 definitely excited to see where they take Brainiac Five in season four. Well, I, I think that's going to do it for our Brainiac Five discussion. But before we wrap up, we have some brainy related snap judgments. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended, and explanations are unnecessary. All right, I'll stop. So, Wendy, you you got to you got to you got to make a choice here. So, we've got some Ugh. some questions. So, uh, the first one is: Would you rather have a twelfth level intellect or an artificially intelligent assistant named Computo?
2: Now, I think if I if I've taught anybody anything from this episode, it's that. You never want to have that computer assistant because it will always go wrong in the end. Uh, It will always turn evil in the end. So I'm going to say, even though it might make me crazy, I'm going to go with the 12th level intellect.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if you would want any of them, but Computo does seem like uh, someone who's going to turn on you at some point. So I think I would probably uh, choose the 12th level intellect myself. All right. So the next snap judgment is, who has a more complicated relationship with their famous relative? Supergirl or Brainiac 5? Oof.
2: Yeah, I'd say, yes, it's pretty complicated between Supergirl and Superman, but I don't know if Superman, when he's not crazy, has ever tried to actually kill Supergirl. So, uh, you know, outside of being possessed, I'd say it's definitely Brainiac and and original uh, Brainiac 5 and original Brainiac.
1: Yeah, after hearing all of the uh, complicated family history uh, that we went over, I'm going to go with Brainiac 5 on this one. I don't (laughs) think we're going to beat that with the Supergirl-Superman relationship. (laughs) All right, so our final snap judgment, which is clearly the most important one. It's going to be the toughest one to think about. Uh, So since uh, Brainiac 5 had some trouble at Piggly Wiggly, which supermarket should Brainy try next, Uh, Publix or Trader Joe's? So I have been in both a, a
2: Publix and a Trader Joe's, and I think Trader Joe's has more of an eclectic feel they might be a bit more welcoming to someone who's not quite normal
1: uh, you know, than, than a Publix,
2: which you probably would have the same problem as a Piggly Wiggly.
1: That's probably true. I think Trader Joe's would be more of a, um, a more uh, accepting in place in terms of uh, somebody looking like maybe they don't fit in. Uh, but I would actually like to see him at a Publix. I, I would love to walk into a Publix and be like, who is this guy? Uh, I think it would be uh, much more interesting to to see him in a Publix situation. Uh so that's what I'm going to go with. So hopefully we'll get more stories in season 4 of Supergirl of uh, Brainiac 5 venturing out into the world uh <laughs> and doing normal things that uh we do every day. No judgments on your snap judgments. Thank you for playing along with our snap judgments section here and making some choices. Uh, But I think that's going to do it for our character spotlight on Brainiac 5. So, uh, Wendy, thank you so much for coming on Supergirl Radio and sharing your knowledge about this important Legionnaire and this important character in Supergirl's uh, history and her mythos. Where can our listeners find you on the Internet?
2: Sure. I am Kara underscore Quirrell or Kara dash Quirrell on Tumblr, uh, Pinterest, Twitter. Um, uh, Instagram pretty much anywhere social Uh, you can find me there Um, probably best to start with my Twitter and my Tumblr
1: awesome well if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter, all at Supergirl Radio. Uh, We are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, where we also have a playlist that includes music featured on the show. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans, so go check that out to find some more fan-related content. We are also available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio, so if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you also like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans, Batwoman, and classic DC TV shows, you can subscribe to DC TV Podcasts on Apple Podcasts and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. And if you are interested in some Brainiac 5 and or Legion of Superheroes merch, you can uh, go to the DC TV Podcast Tea Public Store and you can find a link to that store at the top of supergirlradio.com. So go check that out. If you want some t-shirts, laptop cases, iPhone cases, uh, onesies, tote bags, we've got it all. So go check it out uh, at supergirlradio.com and click on the tea Public Store link. And if you would like to... Follow me. You can do that on Twitter at Derby Kid, and I'm on Instagram at the Derby Kid. I've got videos at YouTube.com slash DuckMilkProd. I am also a contributor to JLU Podcast, which you can find over at We're just wrapping up our Wonder Woman analysis, so you can go check out Uh, all of those scenes uh, there. And uh, if you want to hear me attempt some voice acting, (laughs) I I voice a character named Leanne on a sketch comedy podcast called The Fakest. And we just had a... Big episode is kind of a, I think almost like a mid-season finale where a lot of big stuff happens. There's a lot of melodrama at the end of the episode. Uh, My character Leanne has a really big fight with the main character, Paul, and uh, some stuff goes down and it's a big turning point for the character of Leanne, I feel like. So definitely check it out. And uh, my Supergirl Radio co-host, Morgan Glennon, might also be heard on that episode. So go check out the Fakest at TheFakest.com. Well, until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson, and we're glad that Brainy didn't go down in history as the 12th-level intellect who let Supergirl burn up in a blue star.